Hello and welcome to the JP Morgan At Any Rate podcast. Uh, I'm James Nelligan from FX Strategy in London. And uh, this week I'm joined by my colleague in Asia, co-head of Global FX Strategy, Arindam Sandilia. Uh, lots going on in, in markets, clearly, but uh, dollar strength seems to to stand out here. And as uh, regular readers will know, we've uh, we've maintained a, a bullish dollar stance coming into this year, even as uh, many investors thought that the prospect of Fed easing would uh, would weaken the dollar. So uh, what's new there? Well, there's an increased focus, we think, in markets on on the risk of implementation of tariffs. Uh, we we published on that last year, showing that a ten percent tariff would would translate to around four to six percent dollar strength on a on a broad basis. Uh, more recently, we've we've been tracking sentiment around that in terms of the number of news articles mentioning uh, tariff and and trade war risks, which has been uh, making new highs over over recent weeks. Uh, that that just makes it harder, we think, for cyclical currencies like the euro to price in any kind of green shoots in growth that might be coming through outside of the US. And uh, our co-head of FX strategy, Mira Chandam, published on on that topic yesterday. And in the the US this week, you've had US exceptionalism lingering on. Uh, We saw, of course, that strong services ISM, uh, but also we're seeing that manifest in, in relative equity performance with with U.S. equities relative to the rest of the world making uh, new all-time highs, and uh, we we think that's uh, meaningful for the dollar here in terms of capital flows, and it's it's really the continuation of a a dominant secular global macro theme that's been in place uh, since the GFC in in two thousand and eight. Um, and one way that Mira is tracking that in a, a note yesterday is is just looking at beats versus consensus on uh, on company sales estimates where uh, the U.S. continues to outperform Europe in uh, the latest round of, of earnings. Uh, some of the reasons there why why we continue to have uh, a bearish outlook on uh, the euro and euro dollar. Uh, turning to you, Arindam, and from your vantage point sat in Asia, uh, what are you thinking here on on CMY, given the, uh, the news flow around uh, Chinese equities? Yeah, hey James. Uh, yeah, on on CNYC, it's uh, it's obviously hard to be uh, super constructive. The currency, uh, the sense from speaking to uh, investors is that uh, most people are in the same boat. There are variations of uh, bearish CNY themes going around, uh, you know, fairly broadly. Um, the news flow has been very much about uh, you know, double digit drawdowns in uh, onshore equity indices over the last several weeks, as you know. Uh, a lot of official efforts, a lot of headlines that talk about efforts to stem that bleeding. The economic backdrop uh, looks like uh, you know, it's kind of echoing 2015, 2016. Uh, in addition to this equity stress, you got um, you know deepening deflation, weak sentiment in the housing market. So, so there are echoes from that era, but uh, policymakers clearly have fewer degrees of freedom to play with this time around on monetary, on fiscal, on housing. And uh, hence the market's clamor for big bank easing just isn't coming through. And in that environment, typically you think, you know, rates should drop and the currency should weaken. But of course, as we know, dollar CNY is heavily managed. And hence, a lot of the outlet for this angst has actually played out in Chinese rates markets rather than FX. But uh, we have seen the PBOC uh, turn incrementally more dovish. You know, some of their actions, uh, like leaving the policy rate unchanged uh, last month, could have uh, disappointed investors. But at the margin, they did deliver. 
uh, an earlier and greater than expected RR cut. Um, I think the pressure on them to keep easing will uh, not only remain, but likely continue to grow so long as this is the, the pattern of news flow. And hence the pressure on CNY from simply an yield differential standpoint, I think is going to sustain, especially against uh, the uh, the backdrop of these uh, quote unquote no landing vibes in, in US data that you mentioned. Um, one other thing that we have observed in CNY of late is that, of course, this is uh, Chinese New Year season. Um, and we do see an, a pickup in outbound Chinese tourism around this time of the year. But right now, our odds data tracking of uh, flights out of China shows that uh, we are well north of 100% of uh, outbound travel that we were in 2019, which means that this particular source of drag on the Chinese BOP via uh, outbound travel, I think, is also going to be another slower moving factor that's going to weigh on the CNY. I mean, it's not all um, you know negative news uh, on the financial flow side of things. We've actually seen some decent size stabilization the equity flows have stopped bleeding negative. In fact, for the last two weeks, there's been considerable inflow into China. And uh, one suspects that uh, a good amount of that is uh, the result of official efforts to stem this uh, bleed in, in onshore equities. Uh, but also on the bond flow side of things, we've seen foreigners buy more bonds. Uh, November was a big inflow month, around $35 billion. December came in around 25. I mean, as large as these numbers are, I don't think, however, that they move the needle on FX very much because I suspect most of this is FX hedged. So net-net, I think you have a balance of forces that still feel you know, quite uh, downbeat for the FX and we stay um, you know, short CNY uh, you know, for a variety of, of, uh, of measures. Um, and uh, we'll see when the when the official uh, uh, policy tone changes, when the data flow changes, will change our mind. But for now, I think this is the chance. Um, so, James, uh, just going back to you, you did mention the uh, the impact on uh, on the euro that people are talking about uh, via these tariff related headlines. Of course, there's a well known kind of uh, cyclical as well as a structural story around the uh, around the currency. But how much of that filters through to the rest of the European FX blog? Do you think? Yeah, I think right here there's a there's a few things that that stand out in terms of kind of broader European currencies. Um, I'd say Noki is is quite interesting at the moment. So we've we've held a bearish stance there coming into the year, but what what stands out here is that you've seen you know the S and P break through five thousand. You've seen crude oil up through seventy five dollars a barrel this week, and of course we've got that. Q1 seasonality that's always quite favorable for Nokia, but the currency's still struggling to rally despite all that. That's quite telling, I think. And it just shows that there, there are broader issues going on for Nokia here. You have a growth catch down story in Norway after, after outperformance last year. But I think you also have a, a broader issue for commodity currencies in general here, where you know, commodity-based assets are struggling to benefit as much from from global central bank easing compared to financial assets like equities. That's that's just the, the nature of the asset class. Commodities have to to clear today's supply demand. They're priced off off the marginal barrel. Uh, they're not discounting a future cash flow like equities are. And if you look at say, you know, the CRB commodity index, it's actually made new lows, new multi-year lows this week in terms of relative performance against equities so we think we think g10 commodity commodity currencies in general are going to struggle here but uh we we do still see euro fair value up at 1160 to be fair so despite all those 
those favorable uh, moves in terms of underlying drivers this week it's it, the pair's still still quite cheap to to fair value um some of that's been driven by rate spreads some of that's been driven by the the, the squeeze in, in the bond market um this week so um yeah we we we're, we're looking for for further knocky uh, weakness here i'd say elsewhere in in europe uh, there's a lot of excitement around swiss uh, the Swiss franc. So we've received uh, three sets of data over the past week uh, that all suggest uh, the S&B could be shifting towards uh, selling Swiss francs after their shifting guidance at the December meeting. Uh, so the S&B balance sheet data, the FX reserves data and, and site deposits all all moved that way. Uh, but I think it's imp- important to consider this shift in the, in the context of net flows. Uh, you know, where Switzerland's still running a, a sizable balance of payments surplus, where uh, street consensus has that current account still at still up at eight percent at the end of this year, eight percent of GDP. So, you know, the SMB has to do a lot of work to offset that. And then you you think about how far the SMB is going to be willing to go in terms of size of franc sales in a world where. We can see, you know, forward-looking inflation surveys starting to bottom out. Whether that's, you know, the price components of of the PMIs or, or rates markets themselves looking a bit more, a bit squeezy once again, um, or just some some of the well-followed central bankers that you know the likes of Schnabel this week from the ECB telling you that inflation risks are still still there, uh, or Macklem at the the Bank of Canada Canada telling you about higher R star. Um, that's not a world where the S and B revert to to pre COVID levels of of Swiss selling. So we're more inclined to to fade this move in Swiss here, especially with with tariff risks uh, clearly, you know, objectively rising. We we think that the search for safe havens could uh, could come back uh, sooner than people think. So uh, that's that's definitely something we're we're thinking about on the on the Swiss front and the, and the Noki side as well. So. Uh, that's that's it this week. Thanks for thanks for listening in. Thanks for joining in. This communication is provided for information purposes only. Please refer to uh, to JP Morgan Research reports related to its content for more information, including uh, important disclosures. 2024 JP Morgan Chase and Company. All rights reserved. This episode was recorded on uh, February 9th, 2024.